This is a real appreciation. I just want to say I know that they're no longer with us because Memorial Day is about the great fallen. And I just want to say to the families and to anybody else who's lost somebody in, in battle for fighting for America, we love you and appreciate you. For those... For those that have fought for America that are in heaven, Jesus tell them that we love them and that we appreciate them. We really do. We love them and appreciate them. I think about that because, you know, there were, we think about it in light of today's or in comparison today, to today's culture. You know, everybody's got to have a safe space and got to use the right pronouns. And of course, I don't do any of those things, but I'm just saying that's what people want. Um, but basically, if anybody tells me that's what they want, I will do the opposite. But in light of that, you had, you had boys that were enlisted into the army lying about their age so that they could storm the beaches of Normandy. There's 16-year-olds running up the beaches of Normandy today, and there's 27-year-old men that burst into tears because you don't call them a woman. <clears throat> we, we have fallen a great way, a long way, but the battle is not over. God will touch America one more time. He set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil, our cup runs over. He sets a table right in front. I mean, I want you to think about the open mockery of that. Right in front of your enemies, he just sets a table for you to sit there and just go ahead and eat right in front of them. You're that relaxed. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for this battle is not yours, it's God's. Second Chronicles 2015. All we need to do is play our part. That's all that we need to do. Now your part, you can't comply and restrain at the same time. We are called to be the restraining of the Antichrist spirit, not compliant with the Antichrist spirit. And we're going to get into this today, but you can't defeat the Antichrist spirit with love. You're like, oh man, that's not what I've heard my whole life. Love conquers all. That's not a Bible verse. We're talking about establishing our faith. Over the last few weeks, I was talking about ambient noise, and then the Lord brought this into my mind, but you need to establish their faith because ambient noise is the attack of your faith. So what is your faith? Now, faith can be a noun, and it can be a verb, but most people use it strictly as a noun. Well, I'm a man of faith. What does that mean? Establish your faith. Define your faith for me. People will say, oh, I'm standing in faith. Tell me what that stand means specifically. It's just like people say prayer works. No, it doesn't. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer doesn't just work. Faith doesn't just work unless your faith is established correctly. Unless you can define your faith, you're perishing for lack of knowledge. So let's establish it this morning. Romans chapter 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now people will often, what's going on in the modern day church is that people only talk about one aspect of things. Grace, 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 grace. 
Well, this is a, actually a covenant of faith because faith is your response to what God has already done. You don't need to prompt God. How many of you are trying to prompt God into moving forward? He's already moved. You just believe that he has already moved, that you already have Romans 8.32, all things. You have them. You just need to receive it. God, come on, move. God, I'm going to fast to make you move. I'm going to march. All the Christian garbage drives me nuts. They're marching around buildings. People who want to walk through the pews and pray. Why are you walking around and praying over an empty seat? Thank you. It really bothers people's religion because I've had it for the entire time that I have pastored this church, people have come up to me and say, Pastor, do you mind if we just walk around the chairs and pray over them? Go ahead. That's what you want to do. That's nothing. What's a prayer? What's a chair going to do? All the religious garbage, it, it does absolutely nothing. What you have to do is establish your faith. Because establishing your faith enables you to receive what God's already done. We're gonna march around until, until the, the will of the devil is broken. Why don't you just resist the devil and flee from you? Why do you need to break the will of the devil and rent the heavens, why? You don't have to do any of those things. God's already here. God, you know, even some of the Christian songs, God, come down. Come down, he's in you. Receive it. Receive the power, receive the healing, receive the prosperity, receive the victory. It's already done. That's what faith is for. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we already stand. Amen. Amen. Defining it more, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Most of you know these verses. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now people completely and totally misconstrue this verse. Nothing's happening, well that's faith because that's the evidence of things I'm not seeing. Nothing's happening, nothing is happening does not mean not seeing. Nothing's happening, so obviously not seeing it, so that's faith. No, faith is the evidence of the unseen workings of God. The evidence of the unseen workings of God. Somebody being healed, somebody being prospered, somebody being saved, somebody being delivered. It's, it's unseen, you don't see God's hand come down. It's unseen, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not things not happening. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just trusting in the ambiguous will of God, you never know what that crazy God will do. Sometimes he heals, sometimes he doesn't. That's not the Bible. You have a malformed faith. It's not the Bible. Most Christians, I'm talking about 99, 99.99%, same survival rate as COVID, have a malformed faith. Even people who attend this church, I sometimes, I'm not on Facebook anymore because I'm always on Twitter. And I'm banned a lot of times. I mean, Facebook, I can't friend anybody. It won't let me friend anybody. It won't let me do anything. But occasionally I see your posts from people at this church. I'm like, what, are you, what church do you attend? Make sure that when you kiss your loved ones, you always give them a hug and appreciation because it might be the last time you ever see them. What are you praying? Why do you believe that? 
I actually almost go out of my way to ignore my kids and family when they leave. Just to mock that. Make sure that you tell them that you love them because you, you never know this might be the last time you ever see them. Have you not prayed a hedge of protection around your own family? Dad? Whatever you bind is bound. Oh, you never know what could happen in the world. Well, bind it. That's the Bible. That's faith. Establish your faith. It can't be that good. Yes, it is. The only reason why you don't think it's that good, that it's that good is because you don't read the Bible. Most Christians don't read the Bible. They have no idea what's in there. They form their own version of Jesus and worship him. But who are they worshiping? Jesus or the anti-Jesus? Depends on what characteristics you've given him. If he's all accommodating and all tolerant, People like to call people like me anti-Christian because I will not tolerate transgenderism or homosexuality. Of course not. It's loving not to tolerate. See, they form their own version of Jesus. Their own version of Jesus is you just love everybody. God doesn't. God loves everybody. God, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. Not a Bible verse. You ever read Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19? There are six things the Lord hates. Two of them are men. You ever actually read it? And the people know God, is, God just loves everybody, loves, loves the sinner but hates the sin. That's being preached in most churches today. It's not the case. It's not a Bible verse. Why is, why is that part of your faith? You're welcome. I know that some of you, I can look, I'm looking at the face right now. You're already offended because you are worshiping your own version of Jesus. Some of you can never be corrected in life because you are God. The Bible can never get in the way of your own version of yourself. Some of you have been told over and over and over and over and over again that you're not anointed, you're annoying. But you will never be corrected because it would violate your version of yourself. It's idol worship. You can do it for yourself and you can do it with Jesus. See, you think that I hate you. The people that I correct in here, people that I've called out, even publicly. No, no, it's, listen, I'm actually trying to be the paddles in your life. The Narcan in your life. Thump. To try to get you to be effectual. You're not. Stop calling yourself effectual when every post that you put out under your ministry gets zero views. And you've been at it, listen, I understand, not despising small beginnings, but you've been at it for 13 years. Because you are uncorrectable, unpastorable. Believe me, I know from whence I am talking about. You're welcome. You can live in denial. It's like the song we just sang, one of my favorites. Better is one day. See, I would rather have, just use, let's just use human, humanistic terms. Say you wasted 40 years. 
I would rather come to the knowledge that I wasted 40 years and have 10 great years than live in the delusion that I didn't waste those 40 years and then waste another 10. Some of you put a giant clamp on your face, on your pie chute, and go and serve without your input. You do not have the credibility to give your input. You don't have it. There we go. It's quick. That was quick. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's all there is to faith. There is nothing else. There's not my opinion. There's not your opinion. There's not this pastor's opinion or this Bible study leader's opinion. Faith is the word of God, period. If it offends you, you're meant to be offended by faith, period. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, as we said over the last couple weeks, you have Galatians 2.20, Revelation 14.12, you have the faith of Jesus. You have the, now Jesus is the word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. John chapter one, verse one. John chapter one, verse 14. First John chapter five, verse seven. Jesus is the word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There is no delineation between faith and this. Nothing. Well, I'm a man of faith. Okay, well, how are you a man of faith? Where do you stand on this? Where do you stand on that? What are you for? What are you against? It's all right here. What do you have and what do you not have? It's all right here. People would actually rather choose failure than try. You never know if God's gonna, you know, if God... If God's gonna heal or not. Well, that's a nice, safe little way to pray. Everyone's gonna die that way, but it's a great, it's a nice, safe little way to pray. People come up to me and tell me that they're sick. I say, not for long. Yes. Kind of risky, isn't it? But that's what the Bible says. Is that not mirrored in scripture where the disciples tried and failed and came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said, because of your unbelief. Where's that ever preached? So Jesus is the word. Faith comes from the word. There is no Jesus and his word. It's Jesus is the word. There is no worshiping Jesus outside of the Bible. Nothing. But it has to be the full witness of the word. We are not on the cafeteria plan where you pick and choose whatever you want and whatever makes you comfortable. Now that is the plan of the end times falling away, lukewarm Laodicean church. Pick and choose what you want. We just wanna keep people in the building. It's not a Bible verse. It's not a Bible verse to keep people in the building. Well, we'll keep transgenders in the building by loving them. No, you won't. They'll hate you. They'll love people like me more than you. You don't think they will. But you just look at, a, you look at parents who spoil their kids. Their kids hate them. Because there's an inherent need in every human being for conviction. 
They want it. Even those of you, and I'm looking at the faces right now, they're already mad. You're never coming back. I understand. But what you really want is what this church will give you. It's what you really want. You don't know it, but that's what you really want. But it has to be the full witness of the word of God. Otherwise, it's malformed faith. If faith is the word of God, then anything left out is malformed faith. Anything added is malformed faith. You don't add and you don't subtract, period. Revelation 22, 8, 9, unless you want the plagues and your name removed from the book of life. A lot of pastors are gonna be shocked on the day of judgment. Every day is one day closer to the great white throne judgment. So we have a bunch of Christians running around pronouncing their faith, not the faith, not the faith of the Son of God. They're pronouncing their faith. Romans 10.2 speaks about this. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based in knowledge. And the God that they're actually zealous about is the one they've made up in their own mind. God doesn't mind, you know. God doesn't mind that I'm sleeping with my boyfriend. He minds, and you're going to hell for it. Not because, listen, not because God hates you, but it's because, that's, there's another phone. This is like our worst start ever. It's not because God hates you. It's God can't dwell in the presence of sin. I'm sorry you don't like that. It's just like this. I have come to this resolution with my wife. She's always going to startle me. We've been together, we've been married for 27 years, together for 30 years, almost, just shy. And I've told her for those 30 years to please announce yourself whenever you come to, into a room when I'm not looking. But just the other day, it was actually two days in a row, I'm looking the other way and she just walks in and starts talking and, and, and startles me. I've tried to do tutorials, they don't work. I've told, I told you the story before that the, you know, I, what my kids do is Tommy will whistle, Norma will do this or clear her throat. They got it, no problem whatsoever. 24 and 22, they got it. We've been together a lot shorter than, than Hope and I, but somehow they have it. So the one night at 1.30 in the morning when I'm all by myself in the office preparing a message, pitch black in the whole house except for my office, one light on the entire house. Hope comes up behind me and she says, well, you know what, I'm gonna announce myself like the kids do. But the way she comes up behind me is to go, ooh, ah, ah, ah. I'm not kidding. That's how she announced. I leaped off of the office chair. Like, that's how you announce yourself? <laughs> but I just threw that in there. I just have to accept it. So she has to accept things about we're not gonna change each other on, on, on everything. You shouldn't be trying to change people anyway. It doesn't work, just sick God on them. But I bring all this up to actually 
uh, talk about Red Bull. It's, God does not hate you. He can't be in the presence of sin. I hate the smell of Red Bull. I hate it. I hate it. I can't be in the presence of my wife, though. She's not gonna gonna stop startling me. She's not gonna stop bringing Red Bull into the car. I've asked her time and time again. The entire car now smells like a festering banana. I hate it, but it's not gonna change. I can't be in the presence of that. That's how God looks at your sin. It is actually a smell to him. Just like your prayers are also an incense-based aroma to God. That's what sin is, is a noxious smell. It's not that God hates you. It's that he hates that sin. He can't be in the presence of it. Now, if people shift into absolute wickedness, God can actually hate the person too. There's a big difference between the sinner and the wicked. The wicked are actively fighting against God. The sinners are just sinning. And we have a bunch of Christians running around pronouncing their faith, not the faith, because their faith is not based in knowledge. Well, that's just a really hardcore message. How is it a hardcore message? Yeah, people say that on the, you know, it's, you know, there were some people that came by and raided the church. I'm like, Who, what kind of ministry is that that you drive around raiding churches? Rating, R-A-T-I-N-G, rating, not raiding. <laughs> this is good, this is bad. Who are you? Who are you? You've never done a thing in your life except drive around and be critical. Who are you? No, that, one of my rating was, I think we actually got a good rating by these people, but I'm just saying, my rating was that the husband, they're walking around, they film themselves as they're leaving our parking lot. Well, this is what we think. <laughs> the thing I swirled down the toilet this morning matters more to me than their opinion. But the one thing that the guy was like, well, it was, you know, it was pretty much a hellfire and brimstone, hardcore message. And the wife chimes in, that's what people need. I mean, what, what's a hellfire and brimstone message? It's the Bible. That should be your faith. There is no other faith but hellfire and brimstone. There is nothing. You preach both of it. You preach the love of God, the mercy of God. Proverbs 3, 3 and 3, 4, everybody knows 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Everybody knows that but doesn't know the verses that precede it. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Then shalt thou, then, then you will have favor in the sight of God and men. That's it. There is no other message but the Bible message. That's faith. If you don't believe that, you have a malformed faith. Hebrews 2.1, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. What you hear out of the Bible, don't let it slip. Don't let somebody talk you out of it. Well, it's really okay. Yeah, that's what, the, that's what Satan said to Eve. That's really okay. Yeah, the one who wanted to ascend to the most high, it tries to transform you into being like him. 
Try to transform you into being. Try to, try to establish your throne above the throne of God. And most Christians do that when it comes to the word love. They establish their throne of love above the throne of love. God is love. You can't be more loving than God. Love does not need you to filter it for love's sake. Now that makes no sense. Of course, everything makes no sense. Everything in the world makes no sense. The devil is the God of confusion. I mean, think about, think about how nonsensical our entire culture is. $32 trillion in debt. And every Republican and every Democrat always says, this will not add a dime to the debt. Yeah, the Democrats say that the rich need to pay their fair share. And the Republicans say you need to cut taxes so that it increases more revenue. But it doesn't matter what administration's in charge. When they do, when they do lump a bunch of taxes on it, the debt goes up. When they, when they cut taxes, the debt goes up. Because what needs to happen is to stop, stop spending. How, I mean, it's completely nonsensical. Well, I took a vaccine, and you need to take a vaccine, because the vaccine that I took doesn't make me safe, so if you take that exact same vaccine, it'll make me safe. <laughs> vaccine that doesn't make me safe, when you take it, it'll make me safe somehow. It has to be the full witness of the word of God. What I call both ends of the spectrum. What people would call positive or negative. To me, none of it's negative. I just say that for the ease of conversation. You have to preach what's considered to be positive side, and you have to preach what's, what's called the negative side. Otherwise, you have malformed faith. That's why there's no authority in the church. That's why there's no power in the church. That's why there's no miracles in the church. Because they have a malformed faith that's only predicated on the good stuff. You have a malformed faith, so you have no authority because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You wanna move mountains, you can't move mountains because you've never even heard hellfire and brimstone, so you have a malformed faith. You're welcome. Jeremiah 23, 29. Man, I'm sweating. Cannot wear this shirt anymore. Just shows too much sweat. I'm more passionate than I usually am. I'm just sweating profusely. At some point, this building will get done. You need to be, you need to be praying because, you know, if you're wondering what the fluctuations in temperatures are and stuff like that, just because of the reconstruction of the building. And uh, we hired a company to extract the money from the insurance company that they owe us. If they don't do it, then we're going to sue their fannies off. And we will, and we'll win. Because there's $4 million worth of damage to this building, and they've given me $1 million. And then they said, that's it. Yeah, we'll see. That's not going to be it. It's not going to be it. But that's what you're seeing. You're seeing things, you see things change every week. Because we're paying for it thirty, forty, and fifty thousand dollars at a time instead of five, six hundred thousand dollars at a time. This whole room is going to be changed. This ceiling's coming down. The ceiling's coming down. It'll be pitch black. Well, a whole bunch of things will be happening in here. But and, and believe it or not, this is not our Art Deco look—carpet and 
concrete flooring. We couldn't do anything in here until the roof was sealed. The roof is now sealed and we'll move into this room at some point. <clears throat> but the roof was, the roof was 800 grand, $800,000 just for the roof itself. The church, you and I, when I say the church, that's not me, that's you and me. The church, Foundation Church, has sunk over $700,000 of our own money into this building that the insurance company owes me, owes you and me. $700,000 that would be in the bank. We'd have, we'd have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of one point something million in the bank right now if the insurance company wasn't corrupt, weren't, weren't a bunch of corrupt liars. Tom, that's not gonna extract money out of them. That's not loving good. That, that, bran that branch is right back into faith. What would be more Christ-like for me to say, you know what, I just love those people at your insurance company. They really, they really don't mind, what, you know, they don't, they don't know what they're doing, and you know, they, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, they don't have any ill intentions or anything like that. It's not well, Jesus would address them. Then why is that how you address them? In the name of Jesus, why do you do things in the name of Jesus that aren't Christ-like? Well, you know, my cousin, you know, his name is Bill, but he's, you know, changed it to Nancy. He has a female penis. <laughs> and I just think that it's, you know, he wants to be called Nancy, so we do it. Would Jesus call him Nancy? And why are you doing that in the name of Jesus? That's how Christians are today. You're like, Tom, you shouldn't say penis from the stage. Why not? You're, if your kids are here, it's your fault. We have a whole children's program back there. There's 200 kids back there. Get it back in there. We're in here. We're going to talk about penises. <laughs> and then they got the women that are dressing up as men who have the male vagina. And so that's where the world's at now. You wonder why you don't put a mask on your face? Because it ushers in all the rest of the minutia. You don't, have the, you don't have the infrastructure set up for central bank digital currency without vaccine passports. That's why I just say to all the people that left Foundation Church because we stayed open, and they're like, I just don't understand why, why everybody is so upset about wearing a mask. Because it's a lie. Why would you not, as a Christian, be upset about lies when not one liar, all liars, will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death? You ought to be upset, as a Christian, at lying. That's actually faith. Those same accommodating Christians can never operate in the realm of the miraculous because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith is the word of God. And they have a malformed faith because they don't have a faith that's like Jeremiah 23, 29. It's not my word like fire declares the Lord and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. You know, they accommodate cancer. You should hate cancer. Don't go join it. Listen, if you're struggling with depression, don't go join a depression help group. Cast it down. Cast down that imagination in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Don't accommodate it. 
See, both sides have to be preached. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You have to preach both sides now. Or you have a malformed faith, you won't have the authority. If you only preach the grace, but you don't preach repentance, you'll have no authority. Because faith is both. Faith is the word of God. I'll give you some both sides examples right here. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Everybody loves this verse, and we should. Let your yes be yes. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. You do both. Let not mercy, back to Proverbs 3, 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. So there we have mercy. What else does Peter write though? In 2 Peter 3, 17, since you have been forewarned. Now remember, he said we just obtained mercy, that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's all that, get pre that's all that gets preached. What about 3.17? What about 2 Peter 3.17? Since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Nobody preaches that. That's why no mountains are moved. They only have half a faith. How are you going to move a mountain with half malformed faith? You don't have the iron of God. You only have the soft side of God. You, you, you are soft as a dove, but not wise as a serpent. You've got to have both if you want to move mountains. You want to have influence on your culture. Or you can become the culture's whore. You will speak what we want you to speak or we're not coming. We're gonna ban you off of our social media. So well, ban me then. God will make a way when there is no way. Go ahead, ban me. Here's another double-sided. Romans 8, 16 and 17. You must preach both ends. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with them, that we may also be glorified together. Joint heirs. That's great, and that is powerful, and that's just as true as any other Bible verse. That's who you are. But you know the reason why you don't do greater things than he did, like you are commanded to do in John chapter 14, verse 12? Do you know why you don't? Because you have a malformed faith. You avoid the difficult things. You avoid what's deemed to be the negative things. Therefore, you don't have the sharpness of the word of God. You don't have sharpness in faith. You're welcome. Quiet in here. Here's the other side. Same book. And one was written before the other. That was Romans chapter 8, 16 and 17. Here's Romans eleven twenty two. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness. I've never been taught God's stern. That's why everybody in your family's sick or everybody's defeated, everybody's depressed, everybody's on, on various me uh, medicines and, and psychological, psychotropic drugs. 
in the name of Jesus. Well, we just go get Prozac in Jesus' name. You have a malformed faith, there's no victory because you don't preach the iron. What sharpens iron? Iron, not pillows, not butter. Iron sharpens iron. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people I, I'm, I'm, again, this is the, you are the people that have survived the church, you're here on a Memorial Day. This may not be for you, but a lot of people would just rather accept defeat than be corrected. They would rather justify themselves than be, cor than be corrected. If there's no fruit, you're wrong. Again, I know Matthew 25, 21 about small beginnings, but you're 17 years in, and nobody's getting saved. There's no miracles. There's no power, but yet you still believe that you're good. People have come up to you time and time again and exposed what you need to correct, and you ignore it because you'd rather keep your own portrait of yourself. You're wrong. The fruit tells you that you're wrong. Again, that's both sides. You are, listen, you are loved. You're loved by the people who are correcting you. There's the positive. What you consider to be the negative is the correction. That's why you have a malformed persona. I love when it gets really quiet in here. <laughs> Romans eleven twenty two. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you. Provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Whoops, Calvinism's wrong. And I've got a whole lot more. If you want to argue with me at the door, go right ahead. You better be well armed. And no Calvinist is because there's no Bible verses that support your theology. None! Believe me, I've debated them in my entire life. Nothing? So yeah, you have to preach both sides. Join air with Jesus. But you have to continue in that kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation. But don't be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. You're not gonna move mountains unless you believe both of those. I just wanna believe one. Okay, well you're gonna be lukewarm and there'll be no power, no miracles, no authorities, no salvations. No, Tom, you can win a whole lot more people with syrup than you can with vinegar. It's not a Bible verse. You, you, how many people have you wanted? Listen, there's nobody in the Christian spectrum meaner than me. And I'm not saying this out of pride. I'm saying it out of, out of conviction. Nobody's meaner than me. Nobody says the same. I mean, literally, honestly, I have spanned the globe. Nobody will confront eternal security but me. Nobody will bring the full package. I'm not saying that to glorify in myself, but I'm saying even when we were small, there was 200 people that attended this church. How many people have attended your church? With your syrupy ways. Doesn't work. You're like, yeah, but Tom, there's these huge churches around the world that are just predicated on pure, lukewarm syrup. Yeah, you know what? They have gimmicks. 
And maybe, maybe they have a person, listen, maybe they have a personality that you don't have. You're not geared to do that. You're not geared to lie to people into a fake salvation. You're not quite the con artist that they are. Maybe you don't have that on the inside of you. You're still trying to do it their way. You're just not as talented as they are in being a con artist. So why don't you just go my way? Preach the gospel. You should have seen the comments on Twitch last night about me. Twitch is a liberal site, and Aaron likes to just throw our podcast on there to stir up trouble. <laughs> truth is the truth. You know, I just think it's really sweet to, you know, tell a man that he's a woman and a woman that he's a man because that's what they want. Is that what's going to happen on the day of judgment? No, so why are you doing it? You know why you're doing it? Selfishness, pride, you wanna be liked. I want everybody to think of me as reasonable. Re so you want the abortionist to think of you as reasonable. You want the homosexual activist to think of you as reasonable. Why would, why would you want their approval? Their approval means hatred in the eyes of God. So how do you win people? According to our faith, not according to what you think. Drop everything that you think. How do you win people? How do you win them? You know why nobody knows that answer? Nobody knows the answer because they haven't looked it up, and the evidence is right here that you don't. You're like, what did I walk into in this church? Listen, again, you can be mad at me all you want. I've already told you that I wasted 51 years of my life. I'm 54, so I got three years in. Talk about better is one day. I've already acknowledged it, will you? I'm not saying you have to say that you've wasted all of your life or anything like that. I'm just saying you need to be honest with yourself. Why do we have all these empty purple chairs? I know that it's Memorial Day, but how many people prayed this week, open the doors for me to share my faith? See how very few, there's a couple amens, but that's it. Because nobody else cares. They don't care. Just let people die and go straight to hell. You have a sphere of influence that I will never have. But you don't care, you don't even pray over these people. There's, there are soul winners in this church. There are people that fill rows in this church, endlessly inviting people. But they're one out of 50. When are you gonna start? You're already 48, 62. Someday God's gonna move. God, does, God doesn't work that way. God does not send you the, the provision. He sends you to the provision. You have to move. Move. Who do you want saved? Do you have a list? Well, you're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Then. You're destroyed for lack of vision. People that I want saved. Why, why aren't they being prayed over? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a housewife. I really don't see anybody. You pray that and watch God bring people into your life. I, I told you many times that I'm basically a solitary person, but I talk to people every day because God sends them to me. 
You just walk a dog around, they're coming. Seriously, get yourself a dog. Go to a dog park. Well, I don't have the time. What, what, why do you not have the time? To explain to me how you don't have the time. Because you got to take your kid to flute practice. Take that flute and just snap it in half. Get a dog and go to the dog park and start sharing Jesus. So how do you win people? Because he that wins the souls, Proverbs eleven thirty, is wise. So that would mean what? When it comes to the opposite. He that doesn't win souls is not wise. So how do you win them? Nobody knows. Well, you gotta love them into the kingdom. It's not a Bible verse. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. The way that you win people is very simplistic. It's the power of the resurrection. It's not just power, it's the power of the resurrection. That's how you win people. You will just say power, but you don't know where your power is coming from. Power comes from the resurrection. Everyone thinks the resurrection is Easter Sunday. It's in, it's power is how you live and move and have your being. Not Easter Sunday. That I may know him. Now here's the greatest soul winner that has ever existed. Paul writing to the Philippian church. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Wonder why he wanted that power. And he's the biggest soul winner that's ever existed. Romans 4.25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He was raised to life. He was resurrected to give you justification, to give you power. How, to give you justification. Why would, why would God want to justify you? Because you're speaking on his behalf. And you should be speaking on his behalf with power. Not love. Love has its place. It's not how you win souls. Nowhere in the Bible does it say love them into the kingdom. You might be thinking, Tom, you're just not a very loving person. I actually am. Ask the people who know me well. I just prioritize. There's times for love and there's time, times for, for power, and this will really bend you, your noodle. Power is love. If it's of God, and you want to know him, the power of his resurrection, and you're justified by that power, so that you have something to witness with. Your justification is the resurrection power of God. Otherwise, what are you, well, we're just gonna love, you're gonna accommodate him? We're just not gonna bring up certain things, and you know. Somehow they're gonna somehow they're gonna magically discover that which I never tell them. <laughs> which is the MO of the modern church. I talked to a friend of mine who has worked in the basically the tech department of a very large church that most of you have heard of. It's local. And he worked there, and there was a lesbian couple that they put on his staff or in his group. And he was like, I need to talk to them about being, they said, don't talk to them, we'll, we'll deal with it. The leadership of the church, the church of thousands. We'll talk to them. 
We'll talk to them. They're, they're ushering themselves into leadership. Now they have some influence. A lesbian couple, openly lesbian in the church. You're perfectly welcome to be here if you're homosexual. You're perfectly willing to be here if you're fornicating. But you're certainly not going to serve here if I know. I will call you to repent of your sin. Otherwise, I'm enabling your sin, and I'll have to answer, answer for it in James 3, 1 style in a more strict judgment. No thank you. So what do they do? They never dealt with it. They're just hoping that these two women would discover somehow that they're sinning when they never tell them that they're sinning. But somehow they're gonna discover it. It's not gonna happen. That's why in those churches, they have no idea they have, when, when you can't buy, sell, trade, or travel without your QR-coded mark of the beast on your phone called a vaccine passport, they weren't preaching about it because they have malformed faith. They have no idea because they skip verses. They avoid Bible verses. So they have malformed faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You don't have faith without the Bible, and you have to have both ends to have strong faith. Romans 8, 11, how do you win the lost? Being justified by the resurrection, having the resurrection power of God. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. When I pray over you today, when I lay hands, he usually grab you by the head. I'm not counting, that's not me. I'm depending on the resurrection power of God to meet you right where you are. And give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. The spirit who gave life to the dead calls things that are not as though they were. Where's the love? That's for other places. I asked you, how do you win the lost? Move into the love in Galatians chapter six, verse two. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Supporting people, meeting, where the, meeting their needs. Not enabling them, but meeting their needs. There are people that come on to hard times and they need their needs met. But when they start, we've done this, I mean, you, everybody thinks that I'm hard-hearted. No, I've been in ministry. Used and abused. Well, you pay people's bills for them. And the next thing you know, they're expecting you to pay your bill, their bills for them. And if you don't, they leave the church. Everybody that I give thousands to leaves the church. Everybody who demands the most does the least. Love, love needs to be, you know, I, I, I believe that I may have talked about it briefly last week. When you're dealing with Jude chapter 20, 21 through 20, Jude, Jude verse 20 through 23, only one chapter. It, has, it says, to not, basically, to not have compassion on everyone, make a distinction. I thought you were supposed to have compassion on everyone. No, you make a distinction. I don't, I don't like when you, when you make a distinction, Tom, because that means that I'm not getting, no, I, I know in my spirit. It's not just love, 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 love. Plus love is, again, bending people's noodles. Love is not what you think it is anyway. It's what the word of God says that it is. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. 
suffers long and is kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, thinks no evil, is not provoked. Very different than what people thinks, think that it is. Everyone thinks what love is is, is truth obfuscation. Oh, I just, you know, I'm just loving them right now and I'm not gonna really tell them. If you're a wife and you have a porn addicted husband, you need to get in there and tell them. I mean, I could talk about that for three hours on myriad of subjects. And it's just like I've, I've said this a bunch of times. If I'm standing outside and I've got a big hunk of green meal hanging out of my nose, can you please tell me so that the 400 people that I hug don't see it? I want you to tell me. My wife does, she comes up, right nostril, right nostril, right nostril. Again, I'm not even leaving out love here because I, the only reason why I even use the word love or, or that love's not involved is I mean humanistic love. What the church is deemed to be loving, which is truth obfuscation, just avoid the truth. Someday they'll figure it out. How are they gonna figure it out? How, how can they call upon the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching them? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Which, by the way, two verses down is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where's the love? Let me read you this. Luke chapter four, verse 32. You guys don't have that one. I threw this in at the last minute. And they were astonished at his teaching. Anybody astonished by yours? Tom, you're cutting me down. Wasted 51 years. I'm cutting you down? How many of you are younger than 50? Shout amen. All right, so there, I, I'm worse than you. So you can't be offended. I'm I said we. I mean, people are, if they're not astonished by your teaching, something's wrong. Not if you're six months into being a Christian, but 16 years into being a Christian, nobody gets saved, nobody's astonished by your teaching. There's no power. We wanna be Christ-like? Why is it that the only thing that's Christ-like is truth obfuscation, which is not Christ-like? What's Christ-like is power. Confrontation. You're a man and you got your family and they refuse to go to church? If they're adults, kick them out of the house. Not your wife. But your kids, out. You don't wanna go, get out. That's not loving. Wait, that's not loving? So you're gonna allow them to skip church to forsake the assembling of, of themselves together with other Christians, if they are so-called Christians, or you're not trying to win them to salvation in the name of Jesus? No, I just don't think it's very loving to kick them out. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Matthew 7, 6, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. That's the Bible. That's, you, wanna, you want to win people? Get the paddles out. 
Come with a lump. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. This is my house. If it's your wife who won't go, you need to say, hon, you need to get your butt out of bed and get to church. I just want to enjoy Memorial, Memorial Day weekend. That's not a Bible verse. Tom, you're telling me that's how you live. It's exactly how I live. Everything in my life. That's not a Bible verse. That is a Bible verse. That's not a Bible verse. That is a Bible verse. Life is very easy. And they were astonished at his teachings, Luke 4.32. For his word, for his word was with authority. Well, you know, we just want to love people into the kingdom. Is that authority to you? How's that Christ-like? How's that Christ-like then? If he spoke with authority, how is your non-authoritative tone and message Christ-like? Man, is it really 1201? Holy mackerel. It's good because I've really about sweated through this shirt. <laughs> I like how I form a man bra. Talk about being transgender. He speaks against transgenderism, but transforms into one in the midst of his message. <laughs> Luke 4.36, four verses down. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, and a lot of people, they think they're really solid Christians, but your own kids aren't saved. Or they attend Pastor Skip Versus Church. I love all the Christians going, well, you know, my kids are, you know, they attend this church. I'm like, man, that's terrible. And I, by the way, I just tell people that now. The, the two words that I use is garbage church. People tell me, well, I used to attend this church, garbage church. It's garbage. You shut down, put masks on, watch the proliferation of vaccine passports, which are the grease skitters for the mark of the beast, and don't even know it. And you, let, you think it's good your kids go there? I mean, you need to read, you really, I don't know if I can quote off, off the top of my head all the verses, but you need to read the entire second chapter of, the, of, of Second Peter. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But the prophet was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, those who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? The new free church. No repentance required. Fresh starts, new beginnings. And what they really are is a stinky Red Bull start. <laughs> In an unnew beginning. While they promise them this liberty, they themselves, the preachers, are slaves to corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he's brought into bondage. And you bring those, you let your kids go to that church without saying a word? Well, I'm just glad they're in church. It's not a Bible verse. 
They preach in the word there? You ever watch their sermons? Puke fest. Puke fest. I'm okay and you're okay. Do-da, do-da. There are people that aren't, since the Bible says narrow is the way if you find it, which never gets preached at that church. And they have the same website as we have. The same quote unquote doctrine, doctrine as we have. But they're alluring people through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, almost pornography, through lewdness, to actually take back people who are saved, ushering them from being saved into being unsaved. Many of you came from those churches. There's people that walk in here, they are stunned by the Bible. You're 27 years in as a believer and you're stunned by the Bible. I never knew that was in there. You're 57. You, you got saved when you were 12. So you've been saved for 45 years and you don't know the Bible? I'm like, what did I walk into here? I'm trying to establish your faith. Where was that? Luke 4, 36. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. How do you win people? You win people with power. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse five. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. How many churches are not gonna pray for people today? I know Pastor Rodney will, I know Pastor Jonathan will. How many others will actually pray for people to be delivered, have demons cast out of them today, to be healed, to be set free? No, they come in word only. And they think it's fine because they're destroyed for lack of knowledge because their faith is not the word of God. If your faith is the word of God, you would never come in word only. And that's why there is no power because all they have is word. And I don't mean the Bible. That word, the, the word, word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 is not capitalized. Wasn't that they were coming with the Bible only? Because if you come with the Bible only, you inherently come with power. But also, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. For as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. See, a lot of you, I wanna tell a lot of you this. Now, I've been tearing you down. Let me build you up. It's really not tearing you down. It's just reality. Reality is reality. If there's no souls being saved around you, no doors opening, something's, you have malformed faith. See, I told you I was gonna build you up, and then I tore you right back down again. <laughs> I appreciate you. I'm not saying that in a syrupy, art church, bull crap way. I just wanna tell everybody that I appreciate you. No. I people come, to the, come meet me at the door and they say, you know what? 
this, this church is exactly what I need. There's no other church like this, whatever else. I'm like, well, hold on to that for life. It's got nothing to do with Tom Lightfoot. It has to do with the Bible. The Bible is preached here. That's it. And the Holy Ghost is loosed in power. That's all that you're seeing. And I admire you. I appreciate you for being the exception to the rule. Most people will flee. Flee from what? Flee from the streaming pastor? Not really fleeing from me. If they were fleeing from me, they, will, they would do what I say, which is the Bible, without the tone. If it was the tone that bothered them, they would do the Bible without the tone. So why are they not doing the Bible and having no tone? Because it's not the tone that bothers them. It's actually the Bible that bothers them. Jesus bothers Christians. <laughs> Think about that. You've heard me preach it many times. The church would know that it's Jesus. I'm just putting this little scenario together. Jesus walks in, and Jesus is a common man. He's not stunningly handsome or anything else. If you're told that, you're, you don't read the Bible. There's pictures of Jesus where he's basically like Mel Gibson chiseled out of granite. He's an average-looking guy, average height, average weight, average everything, average-looking person. He walks in, but even in the midst of that, that church knows that it's Jesus. And they are the coast this, the abundant life that church. And they know that it's Jesus. They still wouldn't hire him because Jesus is too offensive to their Christianity. You're like, that makes no sense. Look at the world we live in. They're following which spirit? The spirit that makes no sense. Get a vaccination for a 99.9% survival virus. Get your six-month-old child vaccinated. How does that make sense to anybody? Get vaccinated against a virus you can never die of. You know how many vaccinations they want your kids to have? 50. It's a fact. Bill Gates' program inside of India, where he's expelled from India for paralyzing 500,000 kids. It's a fact, it's absolute fact. He was requiring 50 vaccines before the age of five. Don't get your kid, your little baby vaccinated for hepatitis. How's your kid gonna get hepatitis? Is your, is your one-year-old gonna be running the streets sharing hypodermic needles? You're welcome. So I'll head towards the end with this. How do you win people? My message in my preaching, the verse you hear me preach all the time, 1 Corinthians 2.4. My message in my preaching, we're not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's how you win people. I want to win the lost. Okay, oh, ask God to open up the doors for you to lay hands on somebody to be made well. How many of you will pray that this week? Lord, open the doors for me to share my faith. God will bring them to you. This is nothing against people who knock on doors, but Jesus didn't knock on doors. That's why I don't knock on doors. They all think you're a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness anyway. All you need to do is pray to be active in sharing your faith. Philemon 1.6. God will bring them to you. Can't be that easy. The gospel is the almost too good to be truth news. 
And here's where I'll finish. I'll give you one last example of preaching both sides. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, now remember, unless you do both sides, mountains are gonna stay right where they're at. It's 12, 13. Everybody push your hands next to your butt cheeks and push yourself up in the air and scoot yourself over one inch and your butt will be renewed. I know. I mean, I just spent the whole week at a Rodney Howard Brown conference. There was not one service that wasn't five hours long. And I'm 240 pounds, so I mean, I'm scooting. Because I'm down on the wood in about 10 minutes. Past the cushion, going past the outer courts. First Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. It's you and me. I'll fly away. We'll fly away together. See a whole bunch of us out of Northport, Inglewood, Charlotte, Sarasota County flying. The dead in Christ shall rise. All of us are going to go. And the, dead, and the dead be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Worship team, make your way up there. I'm going to finish right here. That way I give you hope. See, they're all moving up. Here comes Joe. So you preach that, correct? Now do you preach the other end? If you want the dead to raise, you do. Because your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want powerful faith, you have to preach both ends. Here's the other end. John, we got in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And listen, I live for that. I love that. But if I want to affect the world that I live in, I can't just concentrate on that verse only. I've got to have a finely hewn sword of faith. John 5, 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. How many that are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth? All who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. If you want to move mountains, you got to preach both. Amen? There you go. That's it. That's it. Travis, get everybody ready. We're going to pray. Now I want you to ready your heart right now. This is your time, shuffle. Go ahead, shuffle, you're good. It's 12, 16. If we have 10 minutes left, that'll be more than I think we have left. So just hang in there. You just have to go as long as God tells you to go. When God tells you to shut up, you shut up. That's what you do. Otherwise, who am I obedient to? 
With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to get right with God this morning, now is your time. Now is your time. If you're a backslidden Christian, that doesn't mean that you struggle with sin. You sin, you get it right. You sin, you get it right. It's not backslidden. Backslidden is the concession to sin where you are now living in sin. You've decided to be a liar. You've decided to be a fornicator. Whatever it may be, decided to be a drunkard. Whatever it is. Not one bad night. If you're a backslidden Christian, I'm talking to you right now because you are living in a hell-bound state. And I want you saved. Yeah, but Tom, I was raised in the Baptist church. I was raised in Calvinism. It's not a Bible verse. If you're gonna follow Jesus, then follow the word because Jesus is the word. Jesus does not accommodate unrepentant sin. Ever, ever. Understand it. He'll forgive sin that's repented of. Maybe you've never been sinned. Maybe, maybe you've never been saved. Now is your time. Maybe people around you think that you are. Maybe you came with people today that think that you are, but you know you're not. Maybe you're stone cold, hard-hearted because you've seen mass hypocrisy in your quote-unquote Christian home. That will not excuse you in the day of judgment. That is not a Bible verse that says, you know what, there was mass hypocrisy in my home and in the church, therefore I did not get saved. Enter thou into the kingdom of God. It's not the, that's not a Bible verse. Because of, your, because of your offense, because of the hypocrisy that you've seen, it will not excuse you in the day of judgment for your sin. Lump your sin on the shoulders of Jesus. If you're not saved, now is your time. What does it mean to be saved? Does it mean joining Foundation Church? No. It means that your sins are forgiven and that you turn from sin. That's it. It's a myriad of ways to pray it, but that's simplest, in simplicity, that's what it means. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm the only one looking around. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I'm not taking you to a back room. I'm gonna ask you to do one bold thing. That's it. And I'm the only one who's looking. Well, I don't want Tom to know. Don't worry about the man who's wasted 51 years. What I think. Who cares what I think? If you need to get right with God, backslidden or you've never been saved, now is your time. If that's you, right where you're at, just stretch your hand into the air. Right where you're at. I'm looking to my left. I've got you. Got you. Got you. Got you, center left. I got you. Got you. Got you. Got, got you in the center left. Got you, center right. Got you, center right. Moving over to my right. Got you to my right. Anybody else on my right? Got you. You can put them down. Those of you that didn't lift up your hands, but you know that you should have, put your hand up right now. I got you. Anybody else? Got you, got you in the back, I got you, God bless you. Very simple now. The entire church is gonna pray this out loud with you. If you raised your hands, we need to get your sin taken care of. That sin was taken care of by our advocate who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He bore our sins on the cross, bore our diseases with stripes. Now it's time to lump your sins onto the one who can pay the price, the spotless lamb. He becomes the propitiation for your sins, the path of forgiveness for your sins. Those of you who lifted up your hands, the entire church is gonna pray this with you, a prayer of salvation, a prayer of forgiveness. We're gonna pray it out loud with you. You pray it, you mean it, you're saved. Everybody, here we go. Lord Jesus, 
I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' name. Church shouts. Amen.